Welcome to the Rockin' Life podcast, Rockin' Life After Divorce. And today we have Tommy Galladay here today. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. What an awesome privilege to have you here and hearing your story. And uh, that's what this podcast is about. It's about hearing stories that have navigated the difficulty of divorce, the roller coaster road sometimes uh, of divorce, and hearing people that have moved through it in a good way. And uh, Tommy, you are a father of three kids, and uh, you have a very positive outlook on life. I love that. Uh, you're a very grateful person. You have survived 49 years, is what <laughs> you say, and that a lot of people didn't get that lucky. Just a short message. Uh, as you all know, I'm a coach and a mentor. I mentor people that are navigating divorce or have gotten stuck after divorce. Uh, it's very easy to get stuck after divorce and uh, needing help to get unstuck and turn your life into an amazing life. Life is short and be stuck sucks. One of the most important things I did was to get a counselor. Then I got a coach shortly thereafter and a mentor. And uh, to have a mentor, somebody that's already gone through divorce in a successful way and that you can ask questions was probably the most important thing, but also to have close friends and also learning how to reach out to friends, how to become a friend, how do you get friends? And there's something I teach in the group coaching where we have uh, 12 men in uh, a group and we learn together. I uh, coach on a specific subject and then we do a Q&A where the people in the group can ask questions and do that on a weekly basis to be able to get to know each other. I think it's also one of the most important things to, to get to know other people that are going through the same thing. You can help each other, support each other, and have that community because it can become very lonely. You, uh, you tend to lose friends when you go through divorce. And uh, I think particular men has a little harder time developing close friendships and being able to talk to somebody about going through divorce. That was one of the most difficult things for me was all the shame involved with divorce. But to have that small community of people where you can actually be open and vulnerable and sharing your, your difficulties with is actually very, very powerful. And if you're interested, just click on the link below and then you can just schedule a 20 minute chat and I will make sure that you get into a, a group that you will like. We have a few different groups, different days, different age groups, etc. And uh, it'll be something, a group that will fit you and uh, your situation. Back to the interview. And you all have a great rest of the listen here. I really like that attitude. I myself moved through divorce six years ago. You started your divorce. It was nine years ago and it's been a roller coaster road. And there are lots of stories in any divorce. And you wanted to start sharing one of your stories. What was that? Yeah, thanks for having us. And I'm, I'm happy to be here to share it. You know, a story that comes to mind immediately is probably right from the beginning. I moved out. I left my ex and my kids in the home and I thought it was the beneficial thing to do at the time, considering the circumstances. And I had nowhere to go. And my parents had a camper that was placed in the back of my sister's home and lived there for about three months. I'd happened to got laid off from my job right before that I got let go from a very, very high paying position. So here I am living in the, in the camper, the back of my sister's home. And I thought, here's the bottom. They're filling the bottom, literally. And I'm not sure how much worse it could have gotten at that time. And I made a statement to my sister. I said, you know, they're used to seeing me live in the big homes. And, you know, I'm the firstborn. And they've watched me as youngsters, you know, be and my sisters, you know, told me before, you know, you've inspired us to do, you know, her and her husband. And she goes, the things you all did, because I came out in the world wide open and, and wanted it all and, and had it all at a very early age. I was just shaking my head and I said, I can't believe after all of this, I'm sleeping in a camper in your yard. And she said, maybe that was supposed to happen. And it was hard to swallow at that time. And it, it stuck with me. And, and I always thought about it. 
especially over the next five or six years, I tried to move away, ended up having to move back and then eventually ended up in my parents' home and having to literally live in the house with my parents and had to keep replaying what my sister said early on. I felt like a nuisance now. I mean, here I'm a grown man. My mom watched me cross the stage in college. She watched me advance in my life. And hello, mom, here I'm back. I need to live with you because I'm broke and broken. I'm broke and I'm broken. And through that came profound statements from my mother, my children, not just in their words, but just in how important family is. I had to let them hold me and help pick me back up, which was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. But it all went back to that one statement. A lot of guys have a hard time asking for help. And uh, I think for me, it was definitely difficult asking for help initially. I was a breadwinner in the family. I fixed everything and then come to a point where you kind of like have to surrender and had to start over in many ways. And uh, it was difficult. It was definitely yeah. very difficult. And my therapist told me, because I was going through so much loneliness and depression, she told me, reach out to a couple of friends and share your story, what you're yeah. going through. Not to badmouth your ex, but to share your hurts, share your story with yeah. a select few people That's that correct. you trust. That was one of the best things that I did because yeah. it started to opening me up to be sure. vulnerable and be open to, to sure. sharing my story and to be able to be me and in all areas of life, to be able to be authentic and real instead of having masks up and pretending to have a great life, pretending to have this great home and great family. Right. I went through so much shame myself going through the divorce because I saw it as a failure. My mom and dad were married their whole life, being in the church where they a lot of times preach so much about you have to stay married. They didn't speak that much about divorce and uh, right. dealing with that shame was very difficult for me. But uh, was that anything that you had to deal with shame and, and uh, difficulty about feeling bad about uh, the crashed relationship? Absolutely. You use the word surrender. Basically what you do is you, you're just surrendering the things. And then you're accepting what matters most in life. And that's love because my family did not love me because of what I drove or the house I lived in or the job that I had or how much money I made. So when that was all gone, it's like, how can you look at me the same? Because I can't, I got divorced, not because of anything that she did. I got divorced because I could not stand looking at the person in the mirror anymore that I became. Okay. Fathers are not supposed to disrespect mothers and mothers are not supposed to disrespect fathers and that they would never understand it. But making that decision to, you know, I turned into a horrible person. I hated the person in the mirror. So when you have no respect for that person, you do some of the dumbest things that you could ever imagine on the face of the earth. And you look back to like, when you have been raised to respect yourself and know your worth and know that you are somebody in this world, I didn't need to go find myself because I was put here for a reason that I just needed to find the reason, not find myself. The problem was I was too far gone in myself and I would have eventually, it would have started affecting me, my health. It would have affected my children's health. And when I say that, not necessarily physical, but mental, I did some things that were just absolutely awful and I hurt the people that I love the most. Did you initiate the divorce and what was the reason for the divorce? I think that we probably started down divorce road 10 years prior to it happening. And when I say that I lost respect for myself. I lost respect for her job. She was a stay-at-home mom. And I think envy can start setting in. You start realizing all you do is go to sleep, go to work, play with your kids for a little bit, go back to sleep, go back to work. And before you know it, you've done that for a decade. And you think to yourself, you start thinking there's something more. And you start making choices that are not right. Yeah. And when you make that first choice, 
you made that decision right then. And yeah, I think I did that. I think that some of the decisions I made was me saying, I don't want this marriage anymore. She probably wanted it to continue on worse than I did, obviously, till I made it bad enough that she was willing to say bye. And yes, I did that because I could have stayed and I could have kept our marriage. Yeah. I wasn't the person that she fell in love with. Even at 19 years old, I had turned into a very miserable, nothing made me happy. Another child, of course, I love my children, but what next thing you know, you're going to have nine children. I mean, that would be great. I think now I wish I had twice as many as I do now, but I also know how much hard work three of them were and how much hard work that she had to do, you know, being at home. And, you know, we did that together just fine. We parented and raised children just fine. No problems. Just her and I got lost somewhere. I love to interview people and hearing people's stories and hearing their difficulties. For me, the marriage was uh, quite good uh, initially, first, uh, probably two thirds. But we had a lot of difficulties outside coming in. For example, difficulties with kids having a sickness, having other external things, putting a lot of fear and stress into the marriage and our relationship and having a, me being too busy with work. And I definitely became a different person throughout the marriage. I'm not blaming the marriage. It, it definitely part of it. I don't really understand exactly, but that was in many ways, having masks up and to be able to take that step, being courageous enough to start saying, you know, this is me, this is who I am. It's been one of the biggest learnings for me and one of the most amazing things to be able to always be me and be transparent and open and yep. uh, authentic. Now, you said that you became a different person in the marriage or in life, I guess. Right. Uh, not necessarily in, but over the years, you became a different person, somebody that you didn't like. This is right. very, very interesting. Why do you think that happened? And what has changed now? Uh, I usually say that divorce can be the best thing or the worst thing for somebody. It can be the worst thing if you decide not to make any changes. It can be a downward spiral where a lot of people, they just end their lives. Very selfish way to do it. But uh, that's a lot of, especially guys do it. But then it can also be the best thing if you make this into a, a catalyst, kind of like a wake up call. Okay, guy, it's time to wake up and to turn this life into something amazing instead. Now, the uh, first question is, why do you think you went down that spiral and what triggered you to make these changes and turn it around? I think that um, I did what all of us do. Um, for lack of better terms, you become, you pout and you whine and you act like a child. You look for immediate gratification because you want anything to make you feel good. I didn't turn to drugs or alcohol. I got addicted to the gym, working out. I had always worked out, but then all of a sudden it's like, you know, I think relapsed instead of becoming more mature and being in this figure of a husband and a father. I remember saying to people like, I moved to the bottom of the totem pole in my family and the kids do have to come first. They can't make their own money. They can't make their own food. They're not anyone else's responsibility. So many times where I said, I went to the bottom of the totem pole, I was supposed to be that totem pole that there is no top or bottom. It's the pole that they grasp onto that security and safety. And you create that. I am a protector provider, but also have this nurture nature side. The protective provider probably comes out more, but then I have this other side of, I've probably fought with it my whole life. I hate to use the word fight because you almost would rather be like, be this or be this. I kind of get both sides. You just become childish and you do childish things. I've changed jobs every couple of years. We geographically changed places. If there was a promotion or even something that looked better to me, not even necessarily more money, let's go. 
So I never kept us stable because I was unstable. I was a wreck inside and she shouldn't have had to carry that. The only stable one when there was two of us. So now she's raising four children, not just three. Because yes, I just happened to be the child that could go make money. I blamed it on, oh, we got together too soon. Bullcrap. I blamed it on, I had to grow up too fast. Bullcrap. That shouldn't matter. Those are kind of excuses because we got married for a reason. And it wasn't just because it was a fad or it was the thing to do. I firmly believe when I see my children, that took both of us to do. But they, because me and their mom chose each other, they have things that they didn't have a choice over. But then their environment had a lot to do with that too. They're very motivated. I don't know where they get that from. It doesn't matter. They have done just fine. When we were going through marriage counseling, and when we decided to split up, I said, you know what? I probably should go see someone. I immediately went to see a counselor. And the very first thing she said to me was, people get divorced for no reason at all. Let's get that on the table right now. Oddly enough, another little profound statement that said, if you want to fix yourself, then you fix yourself. You couldn't fix your marriage. You're, yeah. divor- you're getting divorced. You can't fix that. You got to work on your kids. In fact, why is there more emphasis on the kids now that we're divorced and there weren't when we were married? What all of a sudden kids are going to come out just fine because you stay married? No. Again, I told you before, not necessarily. You don't know. But as a human or as an adult, you really want your daughter seeing a man talk to his mom like that or your sons and watching their dad. Well, hey, dad did it subconsciously. You know, it's like, so... Health-wise, it's like, what do you do? I think the decision to get divorced, it's a very adult decision. Yeah. And not an easy one. What matters is you're going through this process now, and there is a legal path that has to be followed. And there is a financial obligation that has to be followed. And there is, oh, guess what, mom and dad? Y'all have to get along better now than you did before when you didn't like each other anymore enough to get divorced, right? And I know we're going to get down that path. Just, you know, to answer the question, yeah. Yeah, to start taking responsibility. It's easy to blame (laughs) and have excuses, but uh, I think that's uh, one of the biggest things about being an adult is to not have constant excuses, but to work through things and uh, take responsibility to be an adult and say, I caused this, I, you know, and then go on. And also taking steps of... Asking for help is a very adult thing instead of right. trying to, That's correct. to blame and, and, and shove over the blame to other people. So you asked for help by the counselor. I did this well. I had to, even in the court, we decided to have a co-parenting counselor and we wrote that into the divorce decree, which was one of the great things that we did. And uh, my two youngest went for counseling on and off for a couple of years, which was very, very good. And I continued counseling with her. And then I got a coach and a mentor as well. And those steps I took, I think was so important to get somebody else, both to get a roommate and get a, a few friends that I could talk to and have this conversation and relationship with and be able to talk about the divorce was so important. But also to have people that have gone through divorce before that can speak into my life and coach me. Did you continue uh, counseling or getting help from the outside or how did that journey from in you know, this was nine years ago throughout now how did you do that no because pride and stubbornness does not get set aside very easily so the answer is no once again i can do it myself so and you can't <laughs> and, and it has nothing to do with weakness again i like the word you used in surrendering to you know what First of all, you don't have to do it by yourself. So we need to change that mentality that it had to do with the way I was raised. And I think many things go back to the way we were raised, but we also have this innate thing in us as men. All that is when we are not allowing help or asking for help, that's really just being stubborn and prideful and also just being, I don't want that person 
Because people will, especially, and you know this, when you move out of the walls of your home, you know, you can be the big, strong, and then you get out there and it's like, you can get taken advantage of. And we put these walls up to protect ourselves. Now, all of a sudden we have to let them down because we got divorced, but we have to understand that there are things that happen that they're going to challenge who you are. And if you don't take care of yourself, not just physically, mentally, you won't have the strength we have to get the, that I'm going to win something out of the mentality. And I see it on the, on the website. I won. And I will always kind of go, nobody wins. We have to stop looking for a win in this situation. Because when you do that, you automatically making it about you again. Yeah. Now, some people get divorced and they don't have kids. A lot of us do have kids. So that starts becoming a, you know, a thing. But even if you don't have kids, unless you're somehow can stay in your home and never see another person in your rest of your life, which you might as, you might as well be dead, you've got to deal with other people and you're not the same person anymore because people are going to look at you now is not who I am. It didn't define me. No. Marriage didn't define marriage is something in our culture that we Oh yeah, you've been dating for so many years. You gotta get married. Now when are you gonna have kids? Well, that's important and that's part of it. But we also have to remember that marriage, why do you have to have kids? It's a choice. Why do you stay single? It's a choice. I started doing things that I enjoyed that were not unhealthy for me. The gym became somewhat of an addiction to me. Like I continued doing that, but I started doing it as it's good for my health physically, not just mentally. Mentally, I used to have to go so I didn't run through a brick wall or try to tear down an oak tree because you have anger. Then I just got into it. You get the same results. The body still reaps the rewards. I probably was more intense when I was doing it mentally than I was physically. I loved to sing karaoke. I never got to do it when I was married because I never went out. I'm raising kids. Well, now all of a sudden you got this little bit of time because no matter what your parenting split is, and unfortunately I see guys get their kids way less than I do. And I think I have gotten mine way too little. Eight to nine days a month for a father who, what? I, all we did was get divorced and I only get to see my kids eight to nine days a month. Well, I changed that, not through the courts. I changed it on my own. I saw my kids every chance I got. Every little speck of a chance that I got I saw them. I didn't need someone to say, oh, you get them at this time and you get them at that time. Did I call their mother all the time? No. So what I did was my kids made me happy when they were with me. They made me sad when they left. Had to get past that. Immediately have something to do. If my kids left on Tuesday, I had something to do Tuesday evening, Tuesday something. And I got a routine that I didn't allow myself to veer from because I felt good. I really like that, that you got a routine because it can be devastating. We're getting into uh, the the kids and alienation. And I had to deal with a lot of uh, not being able to see my kids. First of all, I was traveling back and forth to Sweden. Uh, I was gone for a month or two sometimes and had to develop ways to be creative. How could I see the kids? I started playing video games online with That's them. Right. Yeah. Uh, just to be able to see, uh, spend time with them. I did that for a year and a half. I never played the video games before right. online right. That, uh, where you can hang out with the kids. And I think to be creative, to find ways to uh, uh, see them, hang out with them, because a phone call can only last for so long before yeah. you start wondering, yeah. what are we going to talk about now? But right. if you have something uh, like a video game, you're kind of like hanging out together and spending time together, not necessarily That's right. just That's talking right. That's right. and asking questions, being together. Like last night, we went and played pickleball together, me and my four kids, and yep. uh, had some uh, just picnic in the park. And appreciating it. If I only was going to get that many days, I still had to work, but just appreciate it. And you're right. And it could just be something simple. And at that point, my oldest, when we divorced, 
he was pretty much in high school when the next thing you know, he's graduated. So my middle and my third one, if they couldn't go with me, I didn't do it. So even the car ride. So when they played sports, even when they're with their mom, hey, you want to ride home with me? Or their mom would be like, if they lost or they were sour, even she would be like, you kind of look at me. I'm like, I'll take them because yeah. the car ride. And even if they didn't talk because they're, they're mad yeah. and you know, you don't lecture them or whatever, every single thing. And I wasn't perfect. Don't kid yourself, but I never got a babysitter. I, let me take it back. I got a babysitter twice <laughs> and you know who it was? It was my mom. Yeah. My mom watched my kids twice. And even then, you know, I kind of felt weird because I never left them, but it was with their grandmother. And as my time made me better, I know where there was no doubt I was better because when I stopped crying, when I dropped them off, I knew I was getting somewhere. And it wasn't just because of time, because I can still cry in the drop of a hat to think about some of those dates. Yeah. For, uh, but, you know, you some know. of the first years of me, uh, when I didn't see the kids, sometimes it went months between us and I, I cried so many times. And it can be very, very difficult. Uh, but it's like you said, I love car rides. For example, we go to, we do yoga now once a week and, and rock climbing. And I, a lot of times, just go and pick the kids up, which is the other way. And then uh, drive them all the way. It's an hour drive each way. And just have that time in the car and just hanging out. And that's right. Not, not that's, necessarily talking, right. just, nope. you know, hanging. Yep. And uh, that's so valuable. It's connecting with the it kids. Is. And it also shows that you care for them. And uh, it can be very difficult, but this be, patience is definitely one yep. key word yep. to developing this relationship with your kids and it doing things right. Right. And, and finding these little gold nuggets and being creative too, f figuring out what do they love. It's like, my daughter is very different than my son. What does she love? What do, right. does my son right. love to do? And right. uh, try to figure out things that we can do together. It is a period of life where the kids are small, they're growing up, but then they're going to be become adults. And have a goal to be a friend. And how do you want to have that friendship right. in the future? Right. To, and not all people have these awesome friends. That's another thing. Before the divorce, I did not have really close friends. I did not have buddies that I can share anything with. I roommated with two guys, one in Sweden and one here in the US. And uh, that's the best friends I have in my life yep. now. Because we can yep. call up right now and talk about anything. A lot of times guys, I think, have a hard time being open and being this awesome friend. And this yep. should be the same with your kids. You should be able to talk about anything. The kids should be able yep. to come to you and, and share things. Right. Do you have any experience of that? Do you have close friends? And I brought up the karaoke thing. Not that I'm that great singer or whatever. I just love to see people happy. I am the guy that have a few beers, relax. And then it did something for me. And I relate it to... People would be like, how could you ever just get up there and do that? I said, you know what? I don't know. I just do. I think it has more to do with, you know what? If you want to do it, just do it. I don't care what you sound like, whatever. If it's something you want to do, it's karaoke. I'm not going from the karaoke bar to the voice, but I met people going through the same thing I'm going through. And they were there. And there was a time every week we would be there and they would come and that's what we would do. And yeah, we became friends and we were literally going through the same thing, like almost the same amount of time being married. We were going through court proceedings at the same time. It was weird. And I'm still friends with them. You know, we still touch base every once in a while, but we don't need each other as much as we did then. I mean, one of them will tell you, I don't know how, but he told me, you helped me through some really rough times. And I look at him and I'm like, you helped me do some really rough times. And I didn't think of me helping somebody at that time. I couldn't even help myself. So with the kids, I didn't have any money. So you talk about be creative. So, you know, in the ex called me the Funkle one time. She goes, you're the Funkle. I said, the fun uncle, really? I said, well, first of all, what you're missing is I get my kids 90 days a month. A lot of that time is when they're at school. Yeah. By the way, do you remember when we were married? Who would take the boys 
out back and just roll in the mud or what that was me. So now all of a sudden I'm somebody different because I'm having fun with my kids because I had to find things to do with no money, zero money. If somebody was having a cookout and they invited me, yeah, as long as my kids can come. Absolutely. Anything we could do. I mean, I really wasn't golfing at that time because no money. So we didn't really do the video games. I, I, th I think that not necessarily online. My kids, we love to watch movies. One of our favorites um, was uh, The Proposal. And we wore that DVD out. Yeah, we, <laughs> we had the DVD. We wore it out, literally. It didn't even play anymore. And, and we would sit there and see popcorn and watch that. And I don't know, they, they still talk about that to this day. Or if we were just in the same room together, they were there. And I always just hugged them, kissed them, told them how much I love them. My father was very gruff. My father didn't think men should hug. They should only shake hands. My oldest son would hug me in front of his entire football team. Love is what it is. So I found things that, and it was not easy because again, I'm telling you, pizza night. We had pizza night when we were married. Every Friday night, we had pizza night. Guess what we had every Friday night when they were with me? Pizza night. In the story. And by the way, pizza's cheap. And then dad had to learn how to cook. So... I really couldn't and I still can't, but I would say, Hey guys, I got like 20 bucks. What do y'all want to do? I could do tacos on 20 bucks. I could do, you know, I make guacamole one time and my daughter called because dad can cook. I'm like, it's guacamole, <laughs> sweetie. But hey, whatever. Because again, I got the other two a lot younger. Now, those things where we just spent that time together, specifically what comes back, parades that I watched as a kid, I took them. Yeah. They were in private school, so they had a lot of things that they did in the school. I, you know, it, it, we didn't miss it. I was there. You know, so those were things that we could do to then take. You no, know, but there were no amusement parks. There were no. One year I couldn't even buy Christmas for them. Those same friends that I found at the karaoke bar that found me, they did Christmas for my kids one year. But it's so common you know, what you're just sharing. It can become very financially strained a divorce. <laughs> And uh, to be able to find ways through that, especially men have a hard time because they're used to being maybe more of a provider and uh, not having the money. But it's so important to be creative, like you said. You don't have to have a bunch of money to connect with your kids. It's definitely more about the effort and spending time with them and hanging out with them and finding ways to, like you said, <laughs> God crawling in the mud, doing things that you find <laughs> the, the kids love to do. That's why I said, just be there. I'll hear people be like, they don't want me there. I don't care. Go. If they don't even see you there, just go there. But you know what I think you should do? Sit right back in the middle so they do see you. Yeah, absolutely. So they do see you yeah. because you can't give up on them because they didn't do this. Yeah. They had zero to do with this. Even though kids put strains on marriages, if the, the marriage needs to be solid before that happens. It usually is not. So again, it, it, it's the presence, not the presence. So that true defining moment, which I never really gave my kids everything they wanted anyway, they had to earn it. I, I didn't come for much. You had to earn it. And you know, it's so much better when you earn it. You know what I mean? It, it, now it's yours and no one can take it, right? You borrow it or someone gives it to you. You're like, thank you. I mean, you get gifts at birthday and you get gifts at Christmas. That's our culture. But when you want something and you earn it, you know, it's a different ballgame. You treat it differently. You take care of it differently. It means a little bit more. So Absolutely. And they get and they get that. So that's one not to veer off, but my oldest only knows living in gated communities. My other two know living in a in a camper because they stay with me in a camper and then stay in with you know, I don't know what they'll remember when they'll get older. Yeah. I mean if, I, either I, one is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be creative. Um <laughs> very creative. Anything that I could do, a lot of cookouts come hang out. I didn't even know if I wanted my kids to like friends from the past where, you know, they're calling and knowing what you went through. And you're like, oh my God, these are friends that I used to like, you know, I don't know if I really want them to tell stories to my kids, but you go you're like, you know what? It's who I am. You know, if they tell a story then hey, your dad did. Hey, yeah, that was me, you know, accept it. And I mean, because that's why I am who I am today. 
you know, because of the dumb things that we did or the no, not so. So yeah, don't expose them to something that you wouldn't normally do. We, we don't want them to feel weird. Like, you know, as they get teenagers, they don't want the, the best thing we could ever do is say, you're fine. Go to your, you're going to stay in your room and play. The, that's the connection then because they don't want, oh my God, they're on the phone with their girlfriend or whatever. And they, they don't want to pick, they don't, they don't really, they want starting to spread their wings and you respect that, you know, that kind of thing. So there comes a time when all that other stuff doesn't matter because they're growing the same time and they're watching you too. They're watching how I handled one of the biggest adversities aside from my father passing. And one day my mother will, she's on her way to Florida right now. I haven't seen her in two years, but my father passing, aside from that, there was no greater pain than the divorce and having to overcome that and them watch you. First of all, wondering if it was their fault. You got to get past that first, that they had nothing to do with it. And then all those things, you know, so we don't put conversations on them that they can't understand. Never lie to them if they ask you a question. Never, ever lie to them. Yeah. I don't care how hard the question is. Those car rides, those times together, there's been some pretty tough questions, but I never lied to them. I never talk bad about their mother in front of them. They have two worlds now that they have to learn to live in. Not one world. Anyway, I, I think I might have veered a little bit, but yeah, just make sure you got to get creative. And I took them to the top of the airport one time. And at night, someone took me when I was a youngster and at night and watched the airplanes take off. By the way, that was the first date I took my girlfriend on that I'm dating right now. And she told me it was the best date she'd ever been on in her entire life. Oh, but I did cool. that with my kids as a young age. And we just sat up there watching airplanes take off. Ask them today if they remember that. My did oldest you sit in the tower or did you No, the, the parking garage. You go to the very uh -huh. top of the parking garage. Okay. And so you're up three or four stories. Yeah. So it kind of feels like you're, you know, not watching them take off and you're actually kind of part of it. When I was a kid, we rode around and looked at Christmas lights. If I saw a neighborhood or so, I'd just go, you know, if we were driving or, you know, the Chick-fil-A where I was living at the time, because I eventually did move into an apartment. Of course, I had to move back with my parents again to change his butt. There was a Chick-fil-A that just went all out. And I, you know, definitely we went and ate there and saw the lights every year. They would be like, one time we got a pizza at Valentine's Day that was in the shape of a heart. One of the things I did for my daughter, well, I've been doing this ever since she started school, is she got one red rose on Valentine's Day from me every Valentine's Day. I used to take it to her school and they would deliver it to her in her room. A rose costs five dollars. They will wrap it, make it look like it's a million dollars, especially to a young girl. And this year was her senior year and she got 12 roses for all the years. And I told her, I said, you know, this was our tradition. The rose every year in school is over. Now we start a new because that was what we did. So you do things like that, you know, and I gave my son, he loves Reese's cups. That's what I gave him on Valentine's day. Not the same. You're going to give him a rose. I always picked them up. You talked about the car ride. I didn't care where their mom lived or who she lived with. I drove and picked them up from that place. Yeah. That is putting yourself aside. Cause guess what? I got that car ride again yeah. from there or wherever we were going when I picked them up. So I didn't care where she was. We're not allowed to live that far apart. 30 miles by law, 30 minutes, whatever. And people would be like, what? Why don't you meet halfway? The reason we don't meet halfway is cause when we were married, we used to see people exchanging kids in the parking lot. We didn't know what they were doing. We assumed they were divorced and they were exchanged. And we both said, let's never do that. Meaning, let's never get divorced. So when we get divorced, I wasn't exchanging kids in the parking lot. And I didn't want her to have to do that. And I didn't want to do that. And I realized early on, I'll drive and pick them up. A lot of times you start comparing and you want everything to be equal, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, 
I think uh, to get rid of that is so important early on in the divorce and just to, as to okay, what's the best thing for the kids? And uh, to pick the kids up, spending another uh, hour and see that as a benefit for you, you get to spend a little time with the kids. And uh, I think that's so cool. So we're going to switch a little bit from the kids, which is so important. The most difficult divorces are where you have kids involved because you're going to have a relationship to your ex through the kids the rest of your life and trying to make the best out of it. Now, afterwards, you've been divorced for nine years now. You've started dating. I understand you've been dating this girl for five months. But uh, before that, uh, the dating journey can be very difficult. <laughs> I started dating the day after the divorce papers were signed. I dated for about a year, mainly out of loneliness. I was empty yeah. inside. Yeah. I was yeah. wanting to have something else in my life. And I realized after a year of dating, this isn't... Uh, this isn't good for me. It's uh, so I took two years off. I stopped dating at all. I didn't do any dating and, uh, just trying to find, uh, you know, to be okay, to be alone and not yeah. being lonely That's and to move, move through that, that journey of, uh, trying to find things like you started doing karaoke. I started yeah, yeah. playing tennis. I started playing yeah. golf again yeah. that I hadn't done for 30 yeah. years. That's right. And uh, trying to find things that I love to do. It's yep. so important in the divorce because it's so easy to just sit home and feel sad and lonely about yourself. That's right. And then you, you're just going to start finding, you know, trying to find dates, etc. And that's never going to be healthy, I think. You're not going to no. find somebody healthy you're probably going to find another lonely person and that's exactly. not going to be a good fit. It's going to yep. be disaster again. Did you have to do, and go through anything similar or how did you go through your dating journey? I mean, th this is probably harder to talk about. Obviously my kids I'm passionate about. Um, yeah. I mean, I think back to, I didn't really want to go on a date. The, the one night that I, the one night they stayed with their grandmother, someone asked me to go to a concert and, and I didn't want to go. And, and a couple of my friends said, it's just a concert. But in my mind, I was like, oh, it's the date. And then I got, you know, all the things that go with that. So I finally gave in and went to the, and plus I had my kids, so I could use that as an excuse. And they're like, no, nah, go. And, and it was somebody that I, I really, I'm a country, I like country music. It was Blake Shelton. And it was a great concert. And then we didn't really hit it off. I mean, but I talked to her, it was cordial, but. I would go out and I liked coming back home alone. I, I've never been like the one night stand kind of guy. What I mean, realized I was with my wife since I was my ex-wife from 19 to 40 years old. Yeah. So I never really even dated anyway. You know what I mean? I always, since, you know, I met her and whatever. So I wasn't sure what to do. You know, of course, at some point, everybody wants to vicariously live through you because you know, the single people are miserable because they're single. And then the married people are miserable because they're married. And they think there's some kind of in-between and there's just not because it's you. You know what I mean? So I started doing things again. Yeah. I joined back up. I had already, before the divorce, I joined back up with my golf league that I'd played in for so many years. But then all of a sudden I could hang out with the guys afterwards. I never could do that before without the hornet's nest getting stirred. I love and of course, that. now I can hang out with the guys after golf. <laughs> hey, where are you guys going? So, uh, so that's what it comes to is like, you can choose. I basically turned it into, I didn't say no to anything. So I had some pretty interesting adventures with different people that they knew I was single. Some of my younger buddies put Tinder on my phone, you know, like, we got to get you on there. Oh my God. No, no, no. <laughs> so, you know, and you have it and, and, and that's a whole nother ball game. That is not where maybe some people met, you know, they're like, oh, most people meet online anymore. Yeah, but online and on Tinder, that's different. Online could be Facebook or, or Snap, yeah. those kind of things. So can't just say online. You know, I hear everybody say, most people meet on Tinder these days. Not to get, not to find, you know, maybe they did, that's great, happy for them. But you do that. And I've always just felt like organically, as I got better and I started being better, yeah, you have to be super careful. Because you are maybe, you're out, you're having a good time and you're portrayed that you've got it all together and you're happy, you will attract the wrong type and it will set you back because they won't let you know it, but more than likely they're worse off than you are. 
because first of all, you got to look at your environment, where you're at. People are like, well, you're never going to meet anyone in a bar. That's true. You're not going to the bar to meet someone unless you're going to try to have a one night stand or pick somebody up or satisfy your ego or your immediate gratification because you're not happy with you. The way I saw it was I started getting around people that, first of all, I thought, is everyone divorced? Like, is there any happy marriages? Where are they at? I want to hang out in that group for a little while. Where are the happy marriages? Well, they're at home doing what happy marriages do. They're not where you can just come in and true. So I was like, man, why is everybody, what's going on? I had, at, at one point, you're, like, you're seeing it in the, you know, going to the checkout in the grocery store. Man, they can't even stay married in Hollywood, which we already knew that. But now you're going, man, if they can't stay married, no way. Who's married? Wait, what's going on? So I, I started hanging around people and I thought, you know what? If I'm around people that in my career, you know, colleagues, if people see that you definitely, because they already know, hey, you're divorced with kids. You know what? Oh, don't what, you know, why do we do that to people? Cause you know what? There's going to come a time in your life because we already did the meeting everybody with no kids at 40. If you'll meet with somebody with no kids, you're probably borderline. It'll be looked at as, as weird kind of. Yeah. Now I know there's guys out there that do it to get away with it. And God bless them. One of my best friends, wife is half his age. Fine. Whatever works for them, whatever works for him. I think eventually you, you might get introduced to someone or, or someone might miss. And I'm not talking about Aunt Betty going, honey, I got one. I got this perfect woman for you. Not that. Someone who truly is like, you know what? I know that person and I know this person. Not being a matchmaker, but again, yeah. that didn't happen a lot. Um, most of the people I met that I dated, the very first one I dated, someone knew me and knew her and thought we would be a match. Hey, I yeah. have this person for you to meet. I wasn't even really officially divorced yet. So that was kind of like, eh, I shouldn't have done that. But she was all about it. It's okay. And then there's some other things that didn't work out. Maybe five or six months it went on. Some other things happened in her life, not mine. Didn't work out. No big deal. So then you're like, you're getting better. Because now time is going on. You got a little bit of like, she was cute. That worked. And even I thought, well, she's got her stuff together, which she didn't. <laughs> um, but she looked like she did. Yeah. And not looks physically, but all of it. She was a single mother, you know, blah, blah, blah. So then, um, you know, you just kind of like pound her around. I started hanging out in my hometown. Want to get that vibe back. This is where I'm from. This is who I am. These are my roots. Started doing that, met someone kind of organically. She just happened to be sitting at a plate on a random night. And I walked over and introduced myself. And she said, yeah, I know who you are. I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> I knew who she was too. And uh, so it didn't work out. We did not start dating right then, but because she was dating someone. And I said, you know, hey, that's cool. And um, a couple months later, I ran into her. and. Uh, she said, how are you? I said, how's the boyfriend? First question. I don't have a boyfriend anymore. And I text her. And we dated for about a year and a half. It was great. I thought, you know, she was, she was younger than me. She had a little one, but it was all good. The dad was involved. I didn't have to, she got it 50-50. It wasn't the right time. So she ended up breaking up with me. That was pretty like, whoa, what? So but it was a great thing. So then year and a half, you know, you're kind of doing your thing again. Lo and behold, somebody introduces you to somebody again. Now this was a Facebook friend that we were Facebook friends. I'd never met her in person, but we had a mutual acquaintance who knew me and she goes, oh yeah, that was great. And we dated. I feel like once again, I was on my journey to, you know, things were now changing for me pretty quickly financially coming back around. My career is flopping all over the place because I'm a mess. Everything's a mess. Trying to focus on the kids. My career starting to come back together, starting to get the child support thing straightened out. But I think she 
kind of played on, I, you know, those things with me. Oh my God. Yeah. It, she was coming out of uh, absolute mess. I didn't know the whole mess. Again, was it the right time? I asked her to leave. I said, you know what? And it was about a year and a half. It wasn't working. So a couple of times you can see where I, I gave it a shot. And the ones that lasted a year, I really went all in. Like, hey, I no. were good women. They were, you know what? Hey, maybe there's really good potential here. Now, there were other things in between. That's not a bad word. That's a bad word. Not things. There were other, my kids met those women. Let's put it that way. Okay. They've never met any others. Yeah. So, you know the significance of that. Absolutely. I do not. They, my kids were not meeting any, my kids might've been in the same vicinity of someone I was talking to. And as they got older, they might've been able to figure it out, but I still made sure they didn't, you know, they might've even met them, but they didn't know I was seeing them or talking to them unless it was something, you know, that I thought was really going somewhere. Yeah. So let's just, I'll just leave it at that and let those two women met my kids and, and was around my kids a lot, obviously in a year and a half, you know, I'm, again, I got my nine days a month, but you know, they were there cause I was dating them to present day. So last year was a really bad year for a lot of people. Even the girl I was dating that I had to let go job wise, it was bad. And so it was not easy to ask her, we lived together and we lived in an apartment that was my first living on my own, which was with her too. Cause she, she didn't have any place to live either in six years. So I don't know what dynamic that had on it, but I think it played a lot on it because now all of a sudden, well, this is what you wanted. You know, you got your own place, but there's someone here and we just weren't jiving. Yeah. And so I asked her to leave. It was not easy because again, she, it was, it was just really bad, but it wasn't working for me. Yeah. It took months to be able to say, Hey, and then it took a few more months for her to actually move out. And, but again, that was so huge for me because I hurt someone again, so bad. Now, remember I got broken up with, with the other one and I was devastated for at least it was a while. I was shocked that I couldn't get over that faster. It took a, it took a little while, but letting her go and me going, you know what? This is not, this is what I thought it wanted. It's not working we got to stop. And I made that decision and it hurt like heck, hell. Can I say heck? Yeah. Heck just said it. <laughs> hurt like heck. And it had to be done. And now all of a sudden I'm living by myself in my own apartment. Bachelor pad, kids are, you know, they kind of doing their own thing. I thought, man, it's here. I didn't even want to go out. I bought a new couch, a big old couch for my kids and I, because now it's back to me and the kids. They're older, but I'm like, I got a couch. I got a big TV. And of course now they're kind of older where they yeah, kind of, they, they like in their own TV. You know what I mean? Like, ah, dad, I mean, I could probably get them to do it. Like I've made them wear Santa hats at Christmas the last few years, stuff like that. You can't open your gifts unless you wear that. But now all of a sudden I'm like, I'm just going to stay single for who cares now. I bought a new truck, finally got, was able to buy a truck that I've dreamt about that used to be on my dream board and on my yeah. computer, not the exact color and all that, but even better. So I got this new truck that everyone loves it. I love it, but not, I didn't get it for no one else except me, but it's beautiful. It's mine. I got an apartment. My job, I loved. Like, why would I even mess with this? And I didn't get lonely. I enjoyed it. I'm playing golf. I don't even go to the gym anymore. I haven't been in the gym in three years. I'm going back. I stay active, but I'm yeah. going back because it, I need to. I'm turning 50 years old. I don't, you know, I want to stay in shape. And so why would I mess with that? So I downloaded the, the dating app. Like, you know what? I'm not lonely, but let's just see what's out there. Yeah. So I downloaded some new one, a couple of them actually. Yeah, I just mess around on it. 
while I'm watching. Now we can binge with Netflix. Yeah. That might, that might be a Netflix binger. Again, I'm not, I was more of a reader than I was a TV watcher, but Netflix is cool because I stop it. I can rewind it, start over. And some of them are good and they get you. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to rehash that. So there was this woman that lived in my, literally in the next breezeway from me in my apartment who had been there. I did kind of know her and I knew she had a couple of kids. I opened these apps, these dating apps. This is probably October, November of last year. And I'm summing through the apps. And again, I have not contacted this girl. I haven't even seen her since. I met her one time when she went on a date with her friend. There's Sierra. She lived 200 feet from me. And I download the apps. I'm, I'm flicking through them one day on Bumble. And she pops in. And I see her and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to mess with her. So I swiped her. That is swipe her. I haven't seen, I'll have her phone number. I know nothing. So I swipe her and no response. You know, like a few days go by, no response. One day I was leaving for work. We were on totally different schedules. That's why I never ran into her. Like I'm, sing- I'm doing the single thing. She's raising two boys, half time, part time. She's doing her thing. There's no wonder why we never saw it. So we always saw each other's vehicles. And um, so one day I had to leave and I forgot something and I'm come back and I'm running up to my apartment and she's walking out of hers and we run into each other and I say, Hey, whatever. And she's like, she's like, Oh my gosh. She goes, she can't even believe that we ran into each other. Cause it was morning time. And she's all like, you know how she's like, Oh my God, I was in, you know, this and that carrying the trash. Like, yeah, I thought you were still hot. <laughs> and I said, um, by the way, I swiped you on one of those websites. I forgot which one I swiped her on because I was on a couple of them. I said, I swiped you on one of those websites. And so we, we leave and I guess she went upstairs and got on. She was only on one. So she knew and it was Bumble. And so she swiped me back. And so I still was like, I don't know. And she suggested, hey, why don't we have a, go have a drink? Just friends. Cause we knew each other kinda or enough. And I'm like, oh boy, I couldn't have thought of anything better for her to say to me. And, um, so I went and met her for the train at the same restaurant. I met her at the first time originally that restaurant is near us and it's really nice. And, um, and the rest is history. So I kind of knew the first night I met her, I'm like that this woman was very special and unique. I don't know how to explain. We like a lot of the same things, but we, and we just, we just clicked. I mean, I, we just, uh, and I think that I, I, I truly was ready. And especially when I finally got what I had dreamed of to be back on my feet, to be okay with myself, living on my own, you know, I wasn't, my kids would leave, my kids now drive and they would come and go and you know, it, it just got to the point where I was like, you know what? When I met her and, and it just clicked, it's like, this, you know what you want. I want to be in a relationship. When I decided to get divorced at 40, it's because I didn't want to be 50 and feel the same way I did at 40. I'll be 50 in four months and my life is absolutely, I probably don't deserve how good my life is right now. I really don't. And, 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 but it has taken a very long time. It's so crucial to take the time to work on you. It's easy to just run out there, start dating. Uh, yeah, it's, it can be a practice initially just to kind of like get to know people and, and start in learning the dating and, and getting to know yeah. friends too. Yeah. Uh, you know, initiating contact with people after you've been married for a long time, I was married for over 20 years. And uh, to start gaining friends, getting uh, getting in that, but yeah. be able to to attract. You usually say you attract what you project. If you're a broken person, you're gonna attract broken people. Yep. And to really work on you, yep. trying to f- figure yep. you out, yep. and then when you're ready, start dating for a purpose. If you yep. want to have a long term relationship, that's right. That's that's, right. that's so so important. 
beginning around this podcast, okay. off, we had okay. an amazing uh, <laughs> time together. <laughs> I, just ending with the last question and just a couple of minutes to answer. If you can think back to, for example, like nine years ago, when you were going through the divorce, when it was the most difficult period of your life, if you can talk to somebody right now that's in the same position right now, what would you tell that person? I think the worst thing you could do is not let the help, first of all, recognize who the help is from. It, it can't just be from anyone because you are in a vulnerable state. It needs to be someone that you trust. I don't care who it is. I know I said family, but I had a really close friend in 2014 when I hold, I did hold myself off. And there were times I didn't even come out of the house. There were times I didn't even get out of bed because why? I had no reason to. And she gave me a good piece of advice. She said, get out and do something. I don't care if it's pulling weeds out of the flower bed. Get your butt out of the bed and go pull the weeds. And then tomorrow, Mo, the next day, plant a flower. Her point was, is that it is one day at a time. In fact, it's minutes at a time sometimes that you have to, because the minutes turn into hours, turn into days, turn into years. It's what you do right now. I was ready to give up. My family was really worried that I was going to, because from the outside and probably just seeing me just versus people see pictures of me now and go, it, you're radiating happiness. Yeah. But that didn't happen overnight. You know, I had a good year in 2016. It was, the, it was just one good year because it crashed the next year. But I look back and go, you know what? I had an entire good year. Out of all of these, I had one good year. It's going to come. 2019, three years later, it started. 2020, I had another good year. I'm careful how I share that, only because of what's going on in the world. But you know what? I don't know why 2020 chose to be such a good year for me, because I had pain in 2020 yeah. because of things that happened. But I had another good year. And guess what? 2021, it looks like the second good year. But you won't get those until you get up and go pull those weeds instead of just laying in bed. Yeah, to do that daily thing. And to, yes. it's so easy to, to spiral down. I've heard so many miserable stories where people five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road still have this downward spiral after the divorce, yes. being by themselves, alone, yep. at home. Yep. Yeah, uh, and not having a life. And uh, yep. that's what this podcast is for, to yep. bring hope to people, to bring these little gold nuggets of wisdom for somebody that's already gone through a difficult path. And uh, for you, for example, you sharing about, you know, taking one step at a time. I had another person I interviewed and she said, I have to sometimes just let me be sad and lonely, but after yes. five minutes, yeah. I have to decide, yeah. okay, now I need to switch. That's right. Uh, and that's just, right. Uh, sometimes you need to feel the, 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 the difficulty, and, and, but then you have to end that and then continue. Yeah. And uh, to, such a great advice to go out and do stuff. Having accountability also to having other people around you, I think is yeah. so important. But like you said, finding the right person, somebody that's that you trust. That's right. That's right. That's to be right. able to talk about what you're going through is important. That's right. I think it's... Uh, can be detrimental if you just try to figure it out in your head. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And mostly I had to fall in love with the man in the mirror. We talked about that. I hated that person. No. I, I didn't even like pictures of myself, but now I tell people I don't take a bad picture yeah. and it has nothing to do with my looks. I would tell them everyone's got to do their own journey, their own steps. I had to step away from the Facebook group. Because I had reached a point where I was feeling their pain yeah. and I had already felt their pain and I would want to like, oh my God, I got to help this person. And I couldn't because they wouldn't even have been able to help me. 
at that time. So you see these people at different stages, and that's the scary part about sharing what you went through. If you don't understand the how long it took, and we summed up some things in a short period of time, but go and do the math of not just nine years, but nine long years of what the, there's no pull, there's no answer. There is no right answer. Yeah. You just need the, to figure out what, if again, if, it, if you don't feel good after you do it, and I'm not talking about at right then, you're going to feel good right then. But when you come back around to reality and go, why did I do that? Don't do that again. And she also told me neutral is not reverse. It's not forward and it's not reversed. If there are days that are in, you're in neutral, just like businesses that break even, but you're not happy if your business break even, you like to make a profit, but at least you're not closing the doors. So there are going to be times of just don't go back. When you do move forward, don't do things that cause you to go backwards. And by the way, we can do that to ourselves. We're the worst at going, like I said, this is more than I deserve. When you say that, you're like, because when I count my blessings, which I, if you do that, we all should, we all would say that. On a daily basis, having things that you're grateful for, I'm going to just end on that note. I did journal throughout life on and off, but going through the divorce, I definitely started journaling and I journal on a regular basis, not every single day, but I, I definitely do that. And having a grateful attitude, I think it's so important to find those little things, even though you're going through a rough time. You can always find things you're grateful for. I call it the Rock and Life podcast for a reason. Uh, I started rock climbing with my kids a little over a year ago. If you're going to climb a mountain, you're going to have easy paths and you're going to have a, a difficult paths. But whenever you go through a rough path, you're going to have to have support around you. You're not going to climb Mount Everest without a guide or a mentor. And that's what this podcast is about. So share the different journeys, different ways people have gone through the journey to bring that hope to you as a listener and to help you see the light in the end of the tunnel. I usually say that for me, it was very difficult initially, probably first year or two. Uh, it felt like I was sitting in a rowboat with a, and a, kind of like a fog and not being able to see the horizon. I was rowing, but I didn't see myself making any progress. And it was very difficult. And uh, now looking back five, six years later, I see all the progress I made. You know, to have somebody yep. that yep. has done the journey can help you around that bend, it's so crucial because a lot of people just get stuck there. So yep. I just want to end on that. I just really appreciate you, Tommy, that you wanted to share your story. There are going to be a lot of people hearing your story and being encouraged by it. So thank you so much for this time. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for hearing me out. And I enjoyed it. I definitely would do it again. So thank you very much. Thank you.